once you learn what they all do, they all have cool cool ups or heat ups and cool downs and uh, wind ups and uh, areas of effect. And some of them blow enemies back. Some of them break their guards. Uh, oh man, there's just so much stuff that happens. This is episode 87 of the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm Alex Jaffe, but my Marx Brothers name is Gorbo. Oh. Uh... <laughs> uh, I'm Frank Cifaldi, and uh, my Marx Brothers name is uh, Borfo. I'm Tim Rogers, and my Marx Brothers name is Pumpo. Pumpo Marx. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, Alex Jeffy had that as a thread on his Facebook. If you were you on that thread, Frank? No, I didn't see that one. Pumpo was the name that came off the top of my head, so I typed it. <laughs> that was pretty great. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and my Marx Brothers name is I hate the. Yes, that's right. I hate the Marx Brothers. Uh, Brandon, who is our uh, personal Zeppo this week, I suppose. Uh, he's in Poland. And uh, he will be uh, patching in his two-minute responses to all the topics today. So rather than have a six-minute topic, uh, as we usually do before moving on to the next one, uh, Tim and Frank are going to discuss each of the topics I introduced for four minutes. And at the end of that, uh, Blaine Brown, our editor, will patch in what Brandon had to say. I'm Brandon Sheffield. For the recording. So if you don't listen on iTunes or at podcast.insertcredit.com, uh, the next episode is a great place to start. Nice. Uh, I was going to say, I think we should all do a, uh, a two, just just one episode. We should do a two-minute responses from everybody episode. Well, that, uh, good news for be... you. I'll be yeah. in New York next week during the taping of this podcast and unable to record. Oh, baby. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Frank is uh, going to be doing two-minute responses. Oh, unable to record, that. period. Uh uh, the timing's just wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we can uh, we'll figure something out. We'll iron something yeah. out. Uh, let's start with our first four-minute topic. All right, uh, four minutes. Which video games with multiplayer would have been better off without it? Whoa! Hmm. Which video games with multiplayer would have been better off without multiplayer? Street Fighter 2. That's a joke. That's a pretty good joke, and I, th- I feel I think you just unlocked the answer. I think did it, did <laughs> yeah, did, yeah, did I you just unlock a door? Did you just unlock a dungeon door in our, yeah, in con- our congratulations, dungeon? Tim? Was that was that somebody's text tone? What was that? Yeah, that was my text tone. Oh, so you get the yeah. little thing when you when you text? Yeah. Okay, ra- rather than answer that question, that makes me want that to be a part of the show. <laughs> like, there should be like a secret. That. I could do that. There should be a secret answer that opens a dungeon door to like a bonus question or okay. something. Okay, man, I'm totally gonna. <laughs> I'm totally gonna do that, Frank. You wait. It uh, it seems uh, I, yeah. I bet there's no video game podcast that that uh, that uses has secret that. dungeons or that that has the Zelda sound in there anywhere. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, probably none. But um, uh, yeah. what video game has multiplayer that shouldn't, or that would be good without it, or would no, be better it, without it? It would be better without it. Was the question, right? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I don't want to say this as a uh, uh, 
I mean, I'm gonna this this doesn't feel like a, a perfect answer, but uh, I just want to say like Command and Conquer early RTSs when they started putting multiplayer in the games because there was some good campaign stuff in RTSs a long time ago, and it was like not perfect by a long shot, but I can I, I really feel like RTS real time strategy is a pretty cool platform vehicle for single-player storytelling, you know? But yeah. they just ended up getting multiplayer, and they're just like, oh, wow, this is really popular. Let's do this. And then you get stuff like StarCraft II's single-player, which is kind of this stupid hammy stuff, and then Halo Halo Wars tried to do a single-player, and it was pretty all right. And it's like, I wonder why if what it would have been like if this had been more evolved, you know? It, yeah. If only that combat had been a little more evolved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, what, what if single-player RTSs had been more of a thing? Because it's like, they, I mean, again, multiplayer RTSs are some of the most fantastic, amazing, cool things. But uh, I feel like we could have had a little bit longer for them to make single-player RTSs before thinking about, oh, we can do this multiplayer with a network. I feel like if we would have had one or two more games that were single-player only, we would have, you know, artisanal RTS campaign games, you know? Yeah, and... Uh, you can't I, spell artisanal without RTS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's, that's, true. What I'm, that's what I'm saying to you. I, uh, I would have been interested in a single-player uh, Titanfall myself. That's not oh. me, you know, like, being upset that they cut it or whatever, but... Um, I feel like the mechanics of that game would have made an interesting uh, single-player campaign where, where the levels were uh, you know, very specifically designed around it, and it was an adventure. I would have liked that. I guess yeah. maybe I just want a good Bionic Commando. Not Bionic Commando, Blaster Master, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I just, I, just want, I just want the modern realization of Blaster Master. And I, I thought Titanfall was going to be it. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have bought it or played it either way, but... Uh, I would have been interested in hearing about it. Yeah, uh, I played a whole bunch of Titanfall, and I wish there was a single player. But I mean, and this is the the sad part that it pretty much is single player because nobody you're playing with is ever going to talk to you. Nobody. There's there's no talking. Nobody wants to talk to you. There's like no matchmaking. That there's like there's there's like no way to like play with your friends. It's just play with strangers and be dead silent. Yeah. It's it's really sad. It's like they're using. <laughs> That was good. Keeps me on my toes. Next one. Yeah. Do it. Break oh, it hold off. on. Hold on. First, we're going to hear from Brandon in Poland. Brandon, what do you think? So it's actually kind of difficult to think of a game that would be better off without its multiplayer because it's not like having multiplayer means that the rest of the game gets worse or that the single player doesn't exist or anything like that. So I guess I started to think about it in terms of multiplayer-only games, but if you take the multiplayer away from them, then the game doesn't exist at all, and I guess, arguably, that might make some games better through their simply not existing, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that's a good answer. I was thinking about that game, Hybrid, from Fifth Cell. It's possible that they may have benefited by not releasing that game because they wouldn't have spent the money. It was a, for those who don't know, it was a multiplayer-only um third-person shooter with crazy gravity stuff, and it just, it had a bad launch, and it never took off, and now you can't really play it, because there aren't enough people 
playing it right now. So that might have been better as a single-player game, but that's sort of a different question. So I guess the only thing I can really come up with is Facebook games. Um, the most annoying thing about them is their their viral element or whatever, where you're supposed to spam your friends to play it or to give you crops or to do whatever like that. Those games would be marginally better if not for that kind of stuff being forced in there. Um, and without that stuff being forced in there, the social game industry might not have taken off in the way that it did, and then maybe we'd all be better off. I don't know. Great answer, Brandon. All wow. right, let's move on. That's really insightful. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was a... Wait a minute. That wasn't any different from how it always is, because I just always <laughs> tune out whatever Brandon says. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. That was a Brandon burn. That was a burned and... <laughs> it sure was. A, yeah. a popular discussion in video games is whether a particular genre is dead. Rather than go through them one by one, let's try and give our audience a full rundown on which genres are dead. FPS. Um, I'm going to, well, you know, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> you really disarmed me there. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that that I feel like point-and-click adventure games are dead as far as innovation goes. Um, they're not entirely dead commercially, but I don't feel like there's any anywhere left to go with these sort of traditional so, point-and-click adventure genres. It's like dead in the way Latin is dead. It's still a thing, but it's not evolving. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's create it's creatively dead. It's it's a nothing genre. It's it's you know, it's just it's just cookie cutter at this point. It's like match three or something. And even match three, you can evolve more than you can point and click adventures. Yeah, what about a match four? Whoa, what? <laughs> Hold on, uh, don't let anybody steal my hot new idea. What? Get on, get on to <laughs> copyright.com. We'll have to edit that out. Uh, is, is there like a fast way to copyright stuff? Uh, I think you mail it to yourself. Uh, yeah, that's true. You mail it to yeah. yourself and you don't open it. Yeah. Uh, I hope nobody learns about my other idea, Match 2. What? What? <laughs> it's match an early two, prototype, Tim. Match 2, the game of life and love. Yeah. It I'm, sure is, Frank. <laughs> I, I'd say, I, I would say, oh, man, so what? what is dead? What? What? what so, point-and-click adventures are dead. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they're still... Uh, it's, Maze. It's, Maze is dead. I feel like you could make a point-and-click that's... Uh, that's worthwhile by virtue of having a good, good slash cool story. You absolutely could, but it's there's no reason to. There's so no many better to. ways to tell an interactive narrative than the traditional point-and-click adventure. Like the and and you understand what I'm saying? Traditional. I mean, like Walking Dead is a traditional point-and-click adventure. Let's face it. Like it's got it's got the weird uh, like killing stuff parts. Right, but it's it's doesn't do anything new or interesting, and and it relies entirely on the writing. Um, I feel like in the '90s you could do a point-and-click adventure that didn't really have to have solid writing because it was yeah. still a new, interesting genre, and you could sort of let go and and be part of it. But at this point, like with almost any other genre. It, I can get past the story if the game is good, but with an adventure game, a traditional point-and-click adventure game, story is basically all you've got at this point. 
Like yeah. the, the the puzzles can be fun and interesting, but they they absolutely rely on the stories. And and I just don't feel like a point and click adventure is the best way to tell an interactive story anymore. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, yeah. I feel like that that genre is dead because I don't know. I played that The Last of Us, and that's got a story and it's yes. told in a way that feels a lot like a point and click adventure. Sort of felt to a twelve year old. Mm-hmm. In, in the eighties or nineties, right? Absolutely, yeah. Because it's it's touching the same parts of the brain. I'd like to think that the JRPG is sort of dead, but it's not because they they keep making them and they keep doing stuff with them. But you could easily, but I mean, there's smart people doing interesting stuff with them still. But it's like you could just make those into action games. You don't you don't have to put a little puzzly battle battle system in there, right? Uh, uh yeah, I guess you, you man, they're still doing stuff with turn-based strategy games. You can't say they're dead, but they sort of are. No, they're not. I mean, they just they can you can innovate on a turn-based strategy game by adding graphics and effects and uh, uh, presentation. You know. And yeah. XCOM added presentation. And really quick, I want to say commercially, that would be interactive fiction. Well, let's not step on Brandon's time to shine. Uh, Brandon, what do you have to say about the dead video game genres? I think it's pretty difficult for a genre to die entirely because, well, we can't predict what's going to happen in the future. Somebody could bring something back. Like, you could say that uh, for a while, text adventures were pretty dead, but then Twine came along, and now, you know, they're not exactly text adventures, but... They're pretty close, I guess. Uh, and there's also that little that little box that prints out stuff, and you can um, you can type "go left," and it's it's basically it's printing out your adventure on a receipt, and that's a text adventure as well. Um, so I I don't know what genres are really totally dead, but I was thinking if you kind of pair it with a dead platform, then maybe you've got something like. <clears throat> maybe maybe uh, Space War the versus Asteroids style vector game is a dead genre because of vectors, but that's kind of a cop-out but we can't really we don't have a lot of vector technology to make new games with so maybe that's an answer, kind of maybe not, I don't know okay, actually I thought of not a dead genre, but a dormant genre, which is Full Reactive Eyes Entertainment, a.k.a. Free, which was the genre that Shenmue was in, and basically nobody else has done exactly that kind of thing. There have been things that are close, but none of them are Full Reactive Eyes Entertainment. So until Yu Suzuki gets the rights to make Shenmue 3 or whatever, uh, that genre is dead. Huh, that was surprisingly no. insightful. I, I don't know, I don't, I don't agree with any of that. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to go there, Frank, but we went there. Brandon, uh, you're a scrub. <laughs> time will only tell what Brandon has to say for the rest of this episode. Uh, topic number three. If we have console wars, then what have been the most heinous console war crimes? I think uh, blast processing was kind of below the belt. 
I think that's kind of an easy answer, but it's it's insightful at the same time. It it I think it was the first time in a console war that uh, someone just made something up and it worked. I mean that's that's dirty, you know that that's that's uh that, that's that's not that's not good warfare, you know that's that's bad. Um, and for those who don't know, basically, um, the Sega Genesis had a uh, a mode called Blast Mode, and that didn't actually mean anything. So the marketing department decided to uh, call it Blast Processing and put it in a commercial saying Super Nintendo doesn't have Blast Processing. So More that's like why Super Nintendo don't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why Mario's so slow and Sonic's so fast. And you can't get blast processing on the Super Nintendo. That I thought was pretty dirty. I didn't like that. Yeah, that was uh, that was all pretty bad. Yeah, and them insinuating that Super Mario Kart wasn't fun. Yeah. Because uh, it was uh, slow. Yeah, that was the insinuation. That was dirty and weird. Um, you know, the, I don't think anyone's been. I don't think anyone's really committed a heinous crime in the console wars since Sega. Like, I feel like they've kind of calmed down a little bit since then. Sega were, were really impetuous back in the day. Yeah. I mean, they were sort of similar if you're going all the way back to Intellivision. Intellivision actually did the same thing, where uh, they took one of their games, they took one of their baseball games and showed it next to an Atari 2600 baseball game, and they're like, look, look how much better this is. Like, Sega did the same thing. They showed Mario World next to Sonic, and they're like, look, Sonic's better. Look at this. Um, not that either of those are dirty. That's totally fair and, and valid and, and kind of cool. But, uh, you know, it was the same sort of spirit. And I don't feel like any console has come out and been uh, sort of scrappy since the Genesis. How about uh, the PlayStation Move and the uh, six-axis deal? Oh, man. Motion controls. I, I think there was... Uh... Sony put it out there, and they probably couldn't. Have, they probably could have just not made like it was a new, brand new sort of thing. But I still feel like motion controls was a thing that was happening. Uh, I feel like the iToy, the iToy existed before the DS, and the DS is the same thing except you're scraping the screen instead of waving your hand around. I don't know. They're just kind of circle jerking each other all over the place. Jerkle jerking. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo didn't go so far as to like make a public statement about how insulted they were that Sony was ripping them off or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That wasn't really a heinous crime. That was just another Me Too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't. I, I'm just stuck on Sega. Maybe it's because I just read the book Console Wars. Um, but every time I try to think of of a of of a sort of dirty thing that a company did in the console wars to get ahead. It's just all Sega in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, I want to digress for a minute. Something I've wanted to ask you for a while. Uh, I know you've always been by habit very careful about your language. Uh, why is circle jerking okay? That's pretty graphic. Ah, oh, no, it's not. It's funny. <laughs> it just conjures up this grotesque image to me. What, of just like a bunch of people jerking each other off in a circle? Yeah, I don't want to think about that every that's week. Kind of, well, that's, that's Bugs Bunny kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was any... <laughs> I can't recall any sort of jerking in Bugs Bunny. 
but yeah, let's ask uh, Brandon what he has to say about circle jerking. Yeah, let's hear it, man. Okay, most heinous war crimes. Uh, I'm sure the other guys have gone over some of this stuff, but uh, most of it is probably... Uh, well, first, let's get into the propaganda stuff. The uh, Ministry of Propaganda at Sega was going strong. They had Sega does what Nintendo don't. They had blast processing. Uh, they were pretty good with that kind of stuff. Sony... Um, <clears throat> said that we were not ready. Um, well, that's more of a war on us than other consoles, I guess. But then there were other things like... <clears throat> like EA removing its support for the Dreamcast. That was a pretty uh, heinous war crime that wound up winning the war against Sega, I guess, if that's what anyone wanted to win. And... Sony making a PlayStation after almost making a PlayStation with Nintendo. That's a bit of a crime there. Um, and I guess the current big battle right now is between um, the Oculus Rift and ZeniMax. They say that they stole uh, espionage-style corporate secrets in order to win their war and get purchased by Facebook. I'm stretching this metaphor in a very thin and terrible way, but... Yeah, that's the stuff. Okay, that's it. Bye. All right, I guess I'm okay with circle jerking, then, if that's the way you're going to put it. Uh, the circ circ jerk. <laughs> the circuit jerk. Uh, I want each of you to come up with five games that you love that the other two panelists hate or would hate if they played it. Oh, man. Huh, what about okay. would, uh, would mildly dislike? Um, the more they would hate it and the more you like it, the better. The more polarizing, the better. So it has to be both Frank and Brandon would dislike it. Yes. You're not making separate lists. Wow. Well. Okay, I got, I got the first one. Let's hear it. Uh, Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. Uh, this is a Japanese style, I would say. I don't know if that's actually a genre or I made that up. Japanese style console adventure game, you know, where you just kind of like Portopia, murder mysteries, etc. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, it's really bad, uh, in that it's, it's, uh, it's very typical of that genre in that the entire world sort of freezes until you figure out the, the stupid thing to do, and that stupid thing to do is often, like, um, check a place that you already checked before, but now you went to this other place and did a thing, so if you go back and check it again, it works now. Um, yeah. so it's got a lot of terrible, excuse me, puzzles like that, but... The, the fiction of the world, which is uh, uh, fruits and vegetables sort of ganging up against uh, the farmies, these farmers that want to harvest them, and, and this weird subplot of a pumpkin uh, uh, teaming up with the farmies for some reason to, to kill the other vegetables. It's, it's just really charming and weird, and sometimes the, sometimes the, uh, the, the foods are cannibalistic, and that's really strange, and I'm just really charmed by it, and I think uh, you guys would hate it. Wouldn't a farmy be whatever is farmed by a farmer? Yeah, I guess so. I've kind of played that game a little bit, and I kind of liked it, man. Oh, I, okay. I mean, well, then my other one is Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures. Yeah, I don't really like that game. Yep. But maybe I haven't played it enough. But I remember yeah. playing it and just being like, I didn't like the first couple of mins of it. It's just so weird that I like it, and I like that it's a game about manipulating someone's emotions into doing what you want from them. And uh, the 
the the quote unquote acting in his animation is I think some of the best I've ever seen in a video game. You always know what he's feeling, and his reactions are often uh, pretty hysterical. Tim, what about you? Well, I'm trying to think of something. I like a lot of st- well, I mean. I don't know. Brandon likes a lot of the stuff that I like, and uh, uh, he doesn't like anything Nintendo. So if you find a Nintendo thing that I don't like, you're solid. So I think what's going to happen is Brandon. When Brandon gives his response, he's going to name a bunch of Genesis games that uh, that he thinks I haven't played, but I probably have, and I probably like them. I guess <laughs> so he's going to name PC Engine games that. Uh, so I'm just trying to think. So yeah, Brandon doesn't like Nintendo stuff on principle. Yeah. Uh, because uh, he just doesn't like the sorts of people who like Nintendo games. Well, I mean, I really loved Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Do you like that one, Frank? You like that, uh, don't you? I kind of do, yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah. That's a hard... And also, I think Brandon would like it if he played it. I agree. If he really sat down, eyes unclouded by hate, I think he would enjoy that game. This is Brandon we're talking about still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's going to hate it. I mean, I it's love, got a, It says Nintendo right on it, so he hates it. Yeah. I love Super Mario 3D World for uh, the uh, Wii U, but the, I don't think I think Frank would like it. Yeah, I mean, I did not have fun in three player when we played it, but, but I don't hate one, it. Play it one or two no. players, and it's just like you know, I can tell. I can tell like, it's a one or two player game. What, that what about games Brandon would like that Frank wouldn't? What about games Brandon would like that Frank wouldn't? Yeah, if you can't come up with one that both would dislike. Man, it's this is a difficult question, and one. Really uh, I don't like any strategy. You don't like any. And it's also one that we're out of time on. Yeah, I'm pretty bored. So with I mean, I was gonna say uh, Age of Empires too, but then I know Brandon likes that specific Age of Empires game, so it's like I don't know. I, I want. I think we should uh, put this as a homework and maybe uh, re- like one of those back burner homeworks, and then do it later someday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note of that. Just let uh, us let's see if. But uh, let's see if Brandon has better luck. So, five games that I love that everyone else will hate. Hate is a is a difficult word, but I'm gonna go with dislike or be bored by. And, and use that in place of hate because, I don't know, we have some taste crossovers somewhere that n- make it quite difficult. But the first two people will probably not like for the same reasons. One is Epic Heroes for iOS, which is a just a grinding game where you don't really have to do anything. You just kind of wind it up and watch it go, and these heroes grind through a dungeon. And I've been playing it for, like... Six or seven months, and it's... I mean, it's not very good, but I keep playing it, so I must like it, I guess. The next game is Princess Pajama, which is an iOS castle defense game. I guess they call it castle defense. It's where you have just a cooldown, and you send out enemies, and you've got a little hero guy, and it's all with kind of crappy touch controls, and nobody else seems to have liked that game either, because it didn't do well, but it, it was made from repurposed ga- uh, assets from a cancelled DS game, so that's kind of cool. Next, uh, Queen of Heart 99, which is a dojin fighting game, two-on-two, that uh, I don't think Frank would like it because he's not super into fighting games, and 
Tim wouldn't like it because it has auto facing when you're jumping around and since they're since it's two on two sometimes you're not facing the right person so it has uh, precision problems and I don't think he would be super into that but it's still a super awesome game that I really like wow I said super a whole lot of times just in a row there that's pretty cool next Sonic Jam 3D's um wait no Sonic Jam's 3D section is what I'm trying to say that is pretty objectively a bad game. It's barely a game. And the only reason that I like it is because I've beaten it and I have fond memories m- fond memories of having done that. But it's objectively bad, so I don't think the others would like it. <sighs> Lastly, kind of similar reason, uh, Pyongyang Racer, which is a web game made by a North Korean travel agency to promote travel in North Korea. It's really bad. You're supposed to collect uh, cans of gas and avoid other cars that aren't even moving. Uh, but sometimes the cans of gas are directly behind the cars and or in front of the cars, and you can't get them without hitting a car. And you're also supposed to collect these sightseeing tokens. And it's it's just an awful game, but I played it enough to become best in the world at it, because why not? And the way that you actually had to submit your score was to take a screen grab and uh, email it to someone, which is just amazing. It's amazing. So, that's it. You know, I gotta give it to him. Yeah? I don't know. That, that felt a little weak to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely hate that stuff a lot. I'm pretty sure Tim does too, so... Stuff blows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> stuff does blow. Our next topic... Uh, if you had to guess, which video game have the most people claimed murdered their childhood? Oh, Ooh. God. Let's see. So uh, there's the Blaster Master Xbox game is a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay, I got it. Um, the 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 next-gen Sonic the Hedgehog. It was just called Sonic the Hedgehog, and I guess it's previous-gen now. Yeah, I probably going to be that one. That one was probably the, uh, yeah, that's probably where all the This Murdered My Childhoods just kind of rolled downhill into. Yeah, because I mean, that's... Up in there. I mean, that he kissed a lady. That's gross. Yeah, and also the game was just atrocious. Yeah, there's that too. Um, man, we should play that. Do you want to play that? Oh, man, I tried to Did enjoy you? it once. It was pretty bad, but it... It was years ago. It could be funny to play. One thing I like about that game is that there's a part where you race against a guy in a Sonic the Hedgehog costume. That's pretty weird. If we can find that for Xbox 360, yeah, I'd play through that. Yeah. Or like if there's a PC version and we could just turn on Infinite Health or something, like rings never fly out, and just zip through it, that could be fun. Heck yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the answer. Sorry. Yeah, deal with it, Jappy. <laughs> okay, what about second most? Uh, well, I mean, I remember some people uh, ruined my childhood. But, I mean, this was before the... I mean, ruined my childhood is definitely a bratty 21st century internet kid phrase. But uh, in terms of... If we're just talking, like, the magnitude and the energy 
of the declaration that something has ruined one's childhood. Uh, a lot of people I remember, like I, I, I was, I was an internet viewer at around the time Final Fantasy VII was announced, and uh, that game supposedly ruined a lot of childhoods. But they were these were people who were like eighteen, who were having their their fourteen year old days ruined. So it makes the declaration even more energetically childish and terrible. But they're like, this is horrible. How could they do this? Why is it science fiction? Why is it on PlayStation? Why isn't it on Nintendo 64? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I remember that. Uh, but that was like on IGN, like pre-whatever IGN. So I'm just trying to like think of what it could be. It has to. It almost certainly has to be a game that was really popular uh, and old that had a a uh, a refresh, if you will, right? Or it had to be a game based on an old franchise that uh, came back in video game form. The only example I can think of there is Ghostbusters, and I don't think people hated that one too much. Um, yeah, it didn't ruin too many childhoods. Yeah, so it's so I'm leaning towards it's got to be a video game. Uh, the only really terrible refreshes I can think of are Bomberman and Sonic, and Bomberman oh, just wasn't zero. that popular. Yeah. Yeah, Bomberman was not a game that you know people sat around with the whole family to play or whatever. right. Yeah. Um, uh, it doesn't get any better than Sonic. Yeah, that's the answer. Six, as they call it. But let's see if Brandon has a different one. Brandon. As far as which game would uh, most people would say had murdered their childhood, that's a pretty tough one. I guess the newest one would probably be the Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur single-player um, pay-to-win game, where they actually admitted outright that they were making a pay-to-win game. I don't understand why that's a good idea. It does not seem like it is one especially on PlayStation 3. If it were a mobile game, I'd understand. But anyway, that's probably not what most people would say ruined their childhood. Um, uh, maybe in Japan they might say that Valus X ruined their childhood because they played Valus for a whole lot of times, and then it got turned into a tentacle rape game, and that was sad for me. But my childhood wasn't ruined because my childhood is a thing that exists in the past and cannot be changed. But probably, I don't know, something to do with Zelda. That's my guess. I feel like the Nintendos have the biggest problem. Maybe also Sonic. So any new Sonic and any new Zelda that has too much waggle in it. Although there will be a lot of defenders of defenders of the waggle. Oh, that's what they should call the next Zelda. Zelda colon defenders of the waggle. I think that's it for me. I think I got it. I guess not. Huh. Or at least not a very good one, anyway. That was, a, that was, that was weak. He didn't even try. Brutal. Uh, I'm just waiting for, waiting for this to be over. Here's our next one. This should be a fun question. Uh, the three of you are called to investigate the murder of Mario. Mm. Uh, Bowser has an airtight alibi, before you ask. Uh, who are your lead suspects? Man, the, oh. software, the software tool works. Mario is murdered. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my god, I would play that. <laughs> Mario is murdered. <laughs> Mario is murdered. Well, god, who would it be? 
<laughs> okay, so so who are our suspects that aren't Bowser and who? Uh, I, I, I'm just saying you're calling everybody in. Uh, we know oh, Bowser's okay. been up to something else. Okay, so, so we've already cleared Bowser. Yeah. Okay, so, so Bowser so, doesn't even need to come in for questioning. No. He, he's, so I mean, got an airtight alibi. There's so many. You got you got you got your Donkey Kong there. Uh, you got Donkey Kong's not a killer. Oh, well, he, he could be. Well, okay, it's Cranky Kong then, right? Because Cranky Kong has this old vendetta. Um, assuming that that uh, we're following the continuity in which Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong. Do you uh, even have to ask Frank what podcast <laughs> is this? I think I think There's... Cranky Cranky Dixie, uh, Kitty and Diddy, uh, Cranky kind of Manson family them into doing it. <laughs> yeah. I think we got strangers on a train here. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, you think you think it's strangers on a train plot? Yeah. I think no, no. I meant I meant uh, Orient Express. Not, yeah, not nobody okay. expects Funky Kong. Because I mean, if we got a strangers on a train situation here, it could be anyone. It could be Robotnik. No, I don't think it would be funny. I think it would be or Funky Kong. I think it would be uh, Dixie Kitty and Diddy. Because, but they're, the same they're time. yeah, they're the they're the uh, the Manson. Uh, this is and then uh, Char- Cranky Kong is Charles Manson. Well, yeah. oh, Jeffy, how was he killed? How was he killed? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, we need that. Ma- uh, we just uh, him into a pit. Uh, yeah, bottomless pit. Okay, he's just found at the fo- bottom of a bottomless pit. Yes. No, no signs of struggle that that are identifiable. Just he's dead from collision. Okay. Um, I know so who could have killed him. him. The humans, the players. <laughs> 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 the murderer was you. So the year of Luigi's over, so maybe yeah. it was Luigi because he he snapped after the year of Luigi ended. Yeah, I can't I can't let this end. Well, I mean, he probably got laid off after after uh, the terrible performance of Nintendo during the he year of Luigi. He didn't get laid on, that's for sure. Yeah, he never does. Yeah, that's. Um, well, jealous exes, right? There's, uh, I mean, was he romantically involved with Pauline? Heck yeah. How about At with Daisy? Point, but I think, uh, oh, Daisy? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, there was uh, there was something between them in Super Mario Land. No, I mean, there was definitely some tension. A few in, oh daisies were exchanged. Yeah. In our uh, uh, insert credit podcast canon, he just rescued Daisy because uh, Princess Peach was her friend, and then he introduced her to Luigi. <laughs> yeah, we did establish yeah. that. I like that. Headcanon accepted him. Um, uh, well, I bring all three of the uh, princesses in anyway. You never Rosalina know. As well, so, Rosalina, uh, Pauline, uh, Peach, all the little baby princesses from uh, from Super Mario 3D World. I don't suspect the baby princesses at all, but oh, you baby know. princesses rule, man. Well, we'll give them a call. Um, Bowser's clear. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe one of the magic carpets from Mario Two. Any of those things? Like no, you could easily sentient. fall off of those. Uh, oh, you, you think that he that maybe he was riding a Lakitu cloud and it dissipated under him? Something like that. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that he was murdered. I don't know why we suspect murder. Because I mean, the, name of the game is Mario is murdered. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, we've run out of time. Who's your final suspect? Uh, I think the Cranky Kong family did it. I'm, I'm, I'm in for that. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. But I think uh, 
Detective Sheffield has come to some alternative uh, deduction. Let's hear that. Mario is dead, okay? Uh, who are our lead suspects? You say Bowser has an alibi. Uh, what, you could have Peach. Maybe there's domestic dispute. Um, he found her in another castle and got a little angry. And uh, she smacked him with a mushroom, and then that was it for him. Um, maybe she covered it up to make it look like Toad did it. That's why she used a mushroom. Um, but ultimately, I'm I'm just gonna confess I did it. I killed Mario. Still leaning towards Cranky Kong, but uh, we'll call some guys up. Sure. Yeah, it's um, not not the worst answer. No. Okay. Uh, Dong Win. I'm pretty sure that name is how that is pronounced that way. Yeah, anyway, sure. uh, Dong Win is re-releasing Flappy Bird in app stores. And he claims it will be less addictive by including warnings to take a break once in a while, a la Nintendo. Uh, how else could he accomplish making a video game less addictive? He could uh, put in that Offspring song from Crazy Taxi. <laughs> the yeah, 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 yeah song? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what's the name of that song? It's All Out War, I think, is the name of that song. <laughs> it's, I believe it's All I Want. All I want, open parentheses, the yeah, 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 yeah song, close yeah. parentheses. Yeah, I'm so going to look it up. That would so, do it. Uh, what else? Um, is it All I Want? It's All I Want, yeah. That's oh, it is? Wow, I'm glad I didn't know the name of that song. I guess I'm cool. <laughs> I mean, that, that, would do, that would do wonders. Um, if he just tweaked it even a tiny bit, because I, I feel... You know, now that the dust has settled, I feel like that game succeeded because it was so tight. It just feels really good. And uh, I played some some uh, some Unreal Four iPhone demo today. Did you play this, Tim? It was, no. a, fl- it was a Flappy Bird clone done in Unreal Four by Epic. Um, and it's uh, it feels really bad, and I don't want to play it at all. So. If he just, I feel like if he just tweaked the way it felt a tiny bit, he would ruin everything. I feel like a lot of these little games' appeal is that you're instantaneously able to start over once you die. I would put in like a three or four second buffer, and that's it. Like a three second countdown. Yeah, and that would that would make the game a lot less uh, addictive to play. Yeah. So would the Offspring song. Yeah, but that that's a funny answer. And what is this, a comedy show? No, probably not. So yeah, you can also just turn the volume down and uh, circumvent that whole... What if he found a way to, to disable that? Like, every time you played Flappy Bird, it was just full blast no matter what you did. That would violate Apple's terms of service. True. But they might do it for Flappy Bird. Maybe they would. Yeah. It wouldn't. I guess he could do it on Android. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, seriously, just like going into his source code, changing a two to a three, that would break the whole game, I think. Yeah. Or like adding features, adding any features, like having having the pipes like move, having the the doors move up and down, 
Like that would make it less addicting. Like the the uh, the simplicity of Flappy Bird is why it's addicting. Yes. Yeah, cutscenes. Cutscenes would help. Yeah, adding, anything. Like, adding I was gonna any say, elements at all. Yeah, just add anything to it. Um, Enemies. Yeah, uh, making it even a tiny bit slower to restart. Because that's a big part of it. That's the thing I said. Well, I wasn't listening to you. Oh, great. Well, I, hope, I, you li- I hope you listen closely, uh, more closely to what Brandon has to say in a minute. Oh, in a minute. Okay. Yeah, um, right yeah power-ups. Anything. Just add anything to this game. Add, like, add like, any single element to it, and yeah. then people would be thinking too much about it. Yep. It's like... Everybody was just... I mean, I, I just recall so many people just uh, groaning and kicking themselves about that game, like game designer people, when it came out. It's like, oh, this game's not even that good, man. This game sucks. But then suddenly, months later, everybody was like, yeah, the game was really good. That's why it's successful. It's like I saw a lot of people turn around about it. And it's like, it was just a good game. I think we all said that here uh, on this show here. We we were mm-hmm. all like, yeah, it's just a pretty good game. I'd so, have to go back to the tapes to check. The um, idea is you get, you get something like... Nope. You just take one thing, add, just add one thing to it, that's it. Brandon, what bold uh, suggestions do you have in your pocket? Add two things? Three? Let's listen. So Dongwen is re-releasing the game, uh, Flappy Bird, yeah. I've still got it, by the way. Uh, I think my high score is like 64 or something. It's not so bad. But, man, he's making it less addictive. I hope he's not putting an energy system in there because that will be terrible. Maybe he's going to make it free-to-play with paid-for-thingies now. No, actually, he would probably feel like people would get more addicted to that, so maybe that's not what he's going to do. But if he wanted to make it less addictive, he could make it more broken. Um, I don't know, man. I'm... Not sure why people would get so addicted to that game. It's super simple, and I, I guess he should be happy, but uh, people seem to be mad about it, so I, I kind of understand. I'm rambling because I don't know, man. You've got, like, two things you can do in the game. You can hit the button to flap, and you can not hit the button to go down. What else, what else can he take out? <laughs> Maybe it's got no pipes. Yeah, alright. So now the game, you just flap, and there's no pipes, and there's no ground, and all you do is tap the button, and so now it would be way less addictive, because all you're doing is flapping, and with no obstacles, and there's no score. There. I fixed the game. Oh, I don't know, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I guess that would be the solution right there. Uh, No, I think think I'd like the game even more. You think? Uh, I think we'd like the game more, but other people would like it less. Like the audience at large. I'd have to play it. Yeah, the way to make any game less addicting is to make it more appealing to us. That's true. All right. As of this week, the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection service for the Nintendo DS and Wii has ended. How would you assess the damages? Is it Nintendo DS or Nintendods? (laughs) The the damage of what? What are you talking about? Uh, What if we lost? What 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 is currently irretrievable? What 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 have our what has our audience missed out on? Uh, 
What is there to lament? Well, let's see. I played Animal Crossing on my DS online for like a day. That was all right. Um, but they're probably going to make an even better online mode. They probably have an even better online mode than the 3DS one. Oh, yeah. it's, it's great, yeah. Um, Mario Kart, same deal. Yeah, I spent hours playing Mario Kart DS, but uh, the new one's better. That is the extent... No, I, I, I tried the very weird and stupid uh, online component to the game Contact. Uh, you're not missing anything there. I'm out. That's it. Uh, I don't think you're missing anything. You're missing some online stuff. Just like game, like so they killed the connection, but the, you can still get stuff off the eShop. Can can you not get stuff off the eShop anymore? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You just not oh. Wi-Fi stuff, not multiplayer stuff. You just can't play stuff on the line. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah, I don't so even think for Super so Smash Brothers Brawl. Oh, you can't play SSBB anymore. I guess. I mean, was anybody was that like a popular thing for kids to play still, or was everybody over that? I genuinely, genuinely don't know. Um, I think people play it. I think I, th- people I thought are people super serious about Super Smash Brothers play it. That I thought the sure. serious ones played the GameCube version. And yeah, the serious ones do, but the ones who aren't serious, well, they'll play the newest one with the most characters. Oh, I guess that is still the newest Smash Brothers, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's yeah. kind of weird. Well, not for long. Yeah. There's a new one coming soon, yo. Oh boy, Mega Man's in it. Wow, there is no way right now to play Smash Brothers online. That's really strange. Yeah. There will, there will be soon. Yeah, I know. And then the world is going to rule. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm not really sure if the world is going to rule. But so I guess rule what? I'm kind of wondering, like, I, I don't know or slash never hear about slash don't hang out with or follow on Twitter anybody who plays Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo Wii online, so I'm not sure about it. Yeah. I, but, I've uh, known people who played it, but they played it, you know, couch multiplayer. Uh-huh. So, that's that, maybe, I guess. Really the same thing. Maybe, maybe there was a community for that, and maybe there was a Mario Kart community as well. But uh, I guess I mean, the like the, the comes out next week. The, the loss is no different than any other game loss, and I would argue uh, much less significant than the loss of an MMO. True. So MMOs you know, are like where people go to hang out. When yeah, MMO. Like when you shut down an MMO, you are like evicting someone from yeah. their like. That's other like closing. Life. That's like closing down Pop Tates in Riverdale. Pop Tates. I don't. Is that is that is that where the Archie gang hangs out? Yeah, Pop popular, popular the, uh, yeah, that's the fountain soda place that still exists somehow. That she uh, and the gang go to hang out. Popular potatoes. Yeah. Do they make new Archie comics or do they? They just... sure do, Frank. And they are, and it is some crazy business. And I will tell you all about what's going on in Archie when you have the time. Okay. It is absolutely bananas, and I love it. Those Riverdale kids, man, they're they're god darn they're god darn nuts. Yeah. Are there like alternate realities in the Archie timeline? Yes, there are alternate Archie realities. Are uh, there are there alternate realities? Yes, there are. Uh, chief amongst them uh, right now would be two alternate futures we keep uh, swapping between, wherein uh, Archie marries Betty and Archie marries Veronica. Did uh, uh, Archie meet the Punisher? Able to 
travel between them. Yes, Archie did meet the Punisher at one point. Yeah, um, I know. I remember because I owned that. Uh, yeah, uh, was, Jughead joined up with the uh, Time Police, uh, which was led by uh, Archie's great-granddaughter, Archina Andrews, uh, and he uh, had like a romantic thing with her for a while, which was kind of weird. Um, there's a uh, street in Riverdale called Memory Lane where people can visit their counterparts from the 1940s. Uh, that shows up every so often. Uh, yeah, Sabrina the Teenage Witch is like a regular character. And, well, like, that I knew. She's, she's always been Patrick. part of somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an Archie character. Yeah, she is. She's an Archie character. Josie and the Pussycats are Archie characters. They never hang out with a little Jinx or that Wilkin boy. Anyway, we are like a minute over time. Uh, I could talk about Archie comics for a long time. Uh, but let's hear what Brandon has to say about uh, his beloved Nintendo. Assessing the damage for the, those wireless things going down from Nintendo is pretty easy. It's basically just those games that you could have played online... Now you can't, but nobody was anyway, I don't think. I guess we lose some history of a sort by having that go away. But that's pretty much it, because you can still buy the games, you can still download all the stuff that was on there. So nothing is really lost other than the online stuff, and that seems to be getting lost left and right with MMOs and uh, all these kinds of things. Oh, there... I hope you could hear that motorcycle that just drove by my place in Krakow. Every uh, like every ten minutes, there's a huge gaggle of tourists that walks by here, all wearing colorful hats and shirts and shorts and stuff, and they're following somebody with a flag who's telling them about the historic Jewish district that I'm staying in right now. Whole bunch of noobs out there. Uh, no offense to Jews, but uh, they're just a huge snake of uh, humans walking down the street, almost getting hit by cars, and I, I wonder how they all stay alive. Yeah, surprisingly little about Archie in that reply. <laughs> Disappointingly. Yeah. Yeah, what a nub. <laughs> all right, here's our last question. Uh, we're not doing a lightning round this week because I don't feel like it. I-D-F-L-I. <laughs> I-Diffly. Here on uh, the I-C-P-D. Uh, in so Judaism, the yeah. religion of Judaism with which you might be passingly familiar, uh, there is a teaching that one shouldn't begin learning Kabbalah until they've studied the Bible and Talmudic literature for 40 years. Or is the Kabbalah, a... that, that's when you hunt deer? Uh, yes, that's exactly what that is. Uh, anyway, uh, we're not supposed to study Kabbalah unless we've uh, been studying the more basic texts, uh, the Torah and the Talmud, for 40 years, or we'll risk completely misunderstanding everything that Kabbalah has to teach. Mm -hmm. uh, so what video games would you consider the equivalent? Oh, the, man. Well, no, this is basically, to... like, the, the actual question here is what games are necessary to be video game literate? Yeah. Okay. What, what were you going to uh, say? No, uh, no, the opposite. What video games would you not really appreciate unless you have, like, years of video games under your belt? Ah, okay. Okay. That's more interesting. <laughs> Uh, I just want to say that I've uh, I've read a whole bunch of the Kabbalah, and uh, I guess I'm not Jewish, so. No, you can read whatever you like, Tim. Yeah, I mean, but I, I guess I, <laughs> I guess the rules don't apply to me. If uh, I'm, nope. If I'm not uh, if I'm not registered in the system. 
Then According I, to Judaism, just seven rules apply to you, but that's not one of them. Yeah, I like those seven rules. Yeah, those just seven cool rules. The seven cool rules, the seven CR. <laughs> well, the game I played most recently, as in uh, about ten minutes before this recording started, was God Hand. And uh, I don't think you can play God Hand without having played a bunch of video games before. Yeah. I, I don't play God Hand because uh, that game perpetually would lie to me because I, in fact, am Alexander. Yeah. Wow. You don't want to play a game in a... You don't want to just wade up to your earballs in the sea of dishonesty. Yeah, I, I know who I am, Tim. I don't want a game telling me who I'm not. Yeah, you don't want to be told you're not Alexander when that's god darn who you are. <laughs> it sure is. So, so we're we're talking about the games that you shouldn't play until you've played a lot of games, right? Yes. Okay, I would say God Hand is, uh, is right all the way up there with... Uh, this is a game you, you cannot... You can't hand it to a chimp, you know? It's got to be somebody who's played Mario, Sonic, uh, uh, somebody who's played Doom, yeah, who's played Double Dragon. It's got, you've got to have played all this crap in order to understand. There's, There's got to be of... a ton of first-person shooters out there. I don't think Halo or Call of Duty are among them, because uh, no, I think yeah. those those cater to to uh, noobs, if you will. Yeah, um, Halo is all about the Haloobs. <laughs> um. I mean, what are the, like, maybe Battlefield? I don't know. Battlefield, I don't know, Battlefield seems to be entertaining for, hmm. I don't think you can play League of Legends without you have played lots of games. No, definitely not. But it's weird, because people do. I was going to say Titanfall. Titanfall feels like, uh, yeah, Titanfall is, uh, it's, it's one of those racetrack FPSs that just adds verticality. And so it adds uh, magnitudes, more paths of running through the level. So, yeah, Titanfall's pretty up there for games you shouldn't play unless you've played a lot of games. I mean, I can't play Titanfall. I'm incapable because I'm, I'm not uh, first-person shooter literate. Um, I'm sure I could learn. I'm sure I could learn even just playing Titanfall, but you put me in front of Titanfall, and, and uh, I'm not going to have a good time just because oh. I don't really understand it. I'm sure there are a bunch of adventure games that it would be a bad idea to have it be your first adventure game. Yeah, like any old one. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely there are. I mean, are you, are, you, are you fishing for examples? Yes, that is what I am doing. Um, F4E. I mean, let's just eliminate all old ones uh, because you just don't play games the same way anymore. Those require you to sit down at a computer and play a game every night for a month to to uh, play the right way. So uh, modern ones, I don't know. Like, not really. I mean, I don't know why we're getting back on adventure games, but adventure games are sort of designed to be played by anybody. Hey, I'll uh, tell you what. Uh, a game you really shouldn't play right off the bat is Halo 4. Because if you haven't played Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST... Uh, Halo Wars and uh, Halo Reach, you're going to be completely lost on uh, the story. Yeah, yeah you're, not, you're not even going to know what goddamn number it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like if you think Halo Four is Halo Four and not Halo Seven, you got another thing coming. Okay, so like if I want to put out a couple, uh, I believe I have a huge list of these games. I could go through one at a time uh, for a couple hours. Uh, so I just want to say Romancing Saga, any of the Romancing Saga games, mm -hmm. 
are uh, you have to have played a lot of RPGs, a lot of board games, uh, a lot of chess and checkers, uh, uh, a lot of poker. You have to, you've had to have played a lot of stuff to even begin thinking critically about that game. So I would say that's definitely a sort of Kabbalah game. And uh, Un- Unlimited Saga is less so because it's not as good. It's not as rewarding or just deeply interesting. And uh, uh, Shin Megami Tensei games, man. Nocturne, which is available for $10 on the PlayStation Network now. Uh, uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne is just a, a weird game. It's like talking to a strange person. Uh, it's, it's like talking to a homeless person is what uh, Shin Megami Tensei games are like, and which in a, in a very, for all the good and bad that entails, you have to have really paid attention to a lot of stuff to get those games. I just got it. Uh, the ultimate Kabbalah game is Final Fantasy VII because it's all about the Sephiroth. It is completely about the Sephiroth, yes. There you go. Oh, yes. It's about all of those. Uh, I would argue that, uh, man, yeah, it's difficult. But, I mean, I want to say stuff like Bullet Witch or Drakengard 2 or whatever feel like Kabbalah games. Mm-hmm. But they're, not, they're, they're enjoyable if you know what to do with them. I would say to understand what's good about Bullet Witch, you would need to have played lots of games that look like it. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it's something that you need experience to play at all. Brendan Sheffield, what games would you say would be a bad idea to play if you haven't played a bunch of video games beforehand? Or whatever you interpreted that weird question as. You need to blow your nose, bro. (laughs) B-Y-N-B. Uh, that's just that's just my uh, it's my radio DJ voice. You, you don't like my radio DJ voice? No comment. Yeah, the right. voice. I'll work on it. So it sounds like we're talking about what video games you must have played, or else risk a gross misunderstanding. I think uh, probably everybody else is going to mention this, but Super Mario Brothers three is if you want to make a platformer or something you have to understand how that works because man i was just playing a game by this super talented dude i don't remember what the game is called right now but it was a 16-bit style action platformer and the jump just was floaty and the attack was limp and the graphics were gorgeous and the music was amazing but who cares if your main core actions aren't any fun so, Super Mario Brothers 3, if you don't play it and absorb it and understand what good jumping is, you are probably doomed to make games that play on visual and sonic nostalgia alone and no sort of actual gameplay excellence. Um, other than that, I don't know, like, one of them Final Fantasies, probably. And uh, maybe you should play uh, Gunhead an excellent top-down shooter. And um, if you're making any kind of... Actually, I think if you're making any sort of game that's about getting better gradually and really difficult challenges, but learning to surmount those difficult challenges, I wish that, for example, the Demon Souls people had played a whole lot more R-Type Final, because I think R-Type Final is a fantastic example of doing that right, of having to grind against something, but you all, those it's really small moments. Like when you die, you get sent back, you know, 
30 seconds to a minute and that's it and you you just need to relearn that sequence over and over but then when you, you find that when you go back to play the game from the start because you always start from the start uh you get to those points where you died a lot faster and you you've actually learned just you've been conditioned to learn super well so yeah that's that's a good one okay uh well that's our show, everybody. Uh, thanks, Brandon, for participating from Poland. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, you should know our addresses by now. There are 86 episodes where you can check it. Uh, you should uh, check out all of our projects that we're working on. Frank, are you working on a thing? An unannounced game based on a property. Wow. How sweet yeah. it is. How sweet it is. I, I am Actually, this is my first game that's mine. Basically, I'm, I'm producing and directing this thing. It'll be out, uh, <clears throat> well, God willing, end of July. It'll be out. It's really, really dumb in uh, an appealing way, I hope. I, uh, I, I'm i Tim Rogers. My Twitter handle is 108, and uh, I have a uh, game, I suppose. I could have fired it up and been playing it here. I actually was playing it right before we started, but uh, it's coming out on the PlayStation Vita next week. It's PlayStation Mobile, is what they call it. That's this game. It's about this little corgi. Uh, I think it's a really good game. But, I mean, I'm a weird, weird person. So, uh, you know, when the going gets weird, the weird get doing this. You just jump a lot. Uh, it's called Tuffy the Corgi in the Tower of Bones. It's, uh, I mean, hey, if we have a minute, I can tell people what it's all about. It's yeah, we got a minute. It's one level, one level, which is approximately, I'm not going to say how long it is, but it's pretty long, and uh, if you touch one obstacle or one enemy, you die. There are 108 bones scattered throughout the tower, and you're trying to get to the top of the tower. Can you get to the top of the tower? Can you get to the top of the tower with all the bones? No. Uh, what, what happens if you do either of those things? Uh you're going to find out. So the idea is that it's sort of a... Uh, a I wanted it to be a, a Dark Souls-like, Demon Souls-like platformer in that it's highly designed around knowledge and pattern recognition and memorization of topography and geography. But it's also a platform game with what I believe is a beautifully tuned jump and uh, uh, extreme, circum- ex- extreme consequences for dying. You die, you start the whole game over again. And... Uh, it's not a it's not a hugely long game, but it's surprisingly long if you approach it as a say a Super Mario Brothers or Sonic the Hedgehog level, and uh, it's just all about perfectionism, and I really like it. I've sat here and I've I've it plugged like five or six hours into the finished version of it. So how I many guess, people have gotten all 108 bones? Uh, nobody yet. Um, I can get them. So I've I've proven that they're all gettable, but uh. You know, your palms start sweating the higher you get up this tower, and it gets harder and harder. I made this game for Bennett Foddy. It's uh, it's dedicated <laughs> to him. So, like, uh, I think he'll love the ending if he can get there. So, that's that's Tuffy the Corgi in the Tower of Bones, the first game in the Tuffy the Corgi series of games starting uh, May 27th, oh, 2014. Yeah. It will be released and downloadable for your PlayStation Vita for $2.99, and I think it's worth it. Uh, I think it's god darn worth it. Uh, I want to do a little 
uh, sort of visual aid to show people how many screens are in this game compared to how many screens are in Super Mario Brothers 3. And then, like, Super Mario Brothers 3 was $50 when it came out. And I'm going to be like, it's almost as many screens as Super Mario 3. I guess that's a spoiler. Uh, but uh, it's only $3. So. That is kind of a spoiler, but wow. I love this game. Is there roughly one bone per screen? Uh, I would say no. There's, hmm. like, there's less than that. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I really like that. Uh, let's see, uh, t- Tim, you've recently started up your Lost Odyssey stream again. Uh, that's something that I suggest everybody get in on. That's a real fun time. I uh, hope to do it tonight. I hope to do some more tonight. Because uh, we happen to just conveniently have hit a brick wall on a thing we were working on. So it looks like I can't really work too much tonight. So I got a quick thing to announce, which is uh, you may recall in the past during the segment when we were uh, uh, promoting stuff that I asked people to back the Area 5 Kickstarter for the Outer Lands documentary, uh, saying that if it got funded, I would be able to go to the Strong Museum of Play, which I've always wanted to do, and do some uh, video game history research in their archives. And that is happening next week, thanks to people uh, backing the Kickstarter. So next week I will be in beautiful Rochester, New York, surrounded by toy industry uh, trade magazines and catalogs and such. And uh, uh, if I want, I could basically play with any toy I want. Too. I can only assume that it's our listeners who made that possible. So, I think uh, so. thank you, insert credit audience. So, so I'm gonna, uh, man. You yeah. know, here, here, here's an exciting thing that for uh, for for strange people, um, <laughs> the Strong Museum of Play, which is primarily a toy museum, has the uh, complete archive uh, of playthings that they acquired from the magazine Playthings. Playthings was a toy industry trade magazine, shut down in 2010. That started in 1903. Wow. What was, the toy, toy, what was the American toy industry like in 1903? Well, well, who A bunch of those uh, uh, True Detective stick bundles, I think. <laughs> those, so those, those bound <laughs> archives are in the public reading room. So I have, I'm, I'm going to read what the toy industry was like in 1903 and have a good time. So. I'm excited. Hey, Jaffe, have you seen True Detective? Not yet. Oh, man. They were talking about Kabbalah and stuff. Man, you should watch that. I don't want to spoil anything. There's a lot of uh, deep, hard, cosmic uh, mysticism uh, kind of on the edge of that story. I've been intentionally avoiding it. Uh, I'll get to it eventually. Why have you been intentionally avoiding it? Because when I watch it, I want it to be fresh. You want to watch the whole goddamn thing all at once? Yeah, so it's not, it's not it's not fresh detective. It's true detective. Okay. Here's here's what here's what I would recommend for watching it, and I would recommend this for anyone out there who has not watched it. Watch the first four episodes in one sitting. Wait a period of time, and then watch the last four episodes. I'll take that. That's my idea. It it folds neatly into two parts. So I'll, like, right. I mean, I'm not saying two parts. I'm just saying uh, if you want to just go on and watch them, like, because I mean, you don't want to sit down for eight straight hours and watch a thing. Yeah, that's a lot of time. Especially something so heavy, you know. Okay, this this end segment has gone off on long enough, so I'm just going to say that now you're playing with podcasts. Podcast over, yeah! I hate Blaine.